we have a special pastor here today to share with us. Most of you know this guy. <laughs> he was pastor here before Pastor John. Um, but thank you, Ben, for coming. Pastor John's still in quarantine, and uh, Ben's here to share what the Lord's laid on his heart for us this morning. So, Ben, come on up here, and we'll pray for you. If you don't know Ben, he's actually manages a complex where a couple of our people live down the street, all the way down at the end, um, Washington Gardens. Washington, Wayne, Gardens. Wayne Gardens. Yeah. I was thinking. Um, so let's pray for him as he brings the Word of God to us today. Lord Jesus, I thank you that Ben could be here today. Thank you for his heart of service and his ability to hear your words, Lord. And I pray that you would just speak to us through what he has to share with us today. Pray it just anoint him, Lord. Give him your spirit now as he shares with us, Lord, and that you would use him, Lord, to raise our hearts, challenge us, and bring us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We don't have a lapel mic. Do you want a stand? Or you want to this is all right. This is all right, because I'm going to move around. I've got to come back and visit a few people, wake people up after a few minutes. It is good to be here and to see you all today. Those of you that I remember and those of you that I've never met before, I'm sure it's good for me to meet you as well. I'll just give you the benefit of the doubt on that. How's that? It is amazing to me how quickly time flies. I mean, when you're old like Steve, you're used to it, but for the rest of us, how, how quickly it, it goes by. Of course, having a year of our life, uh, you know, where we're locked up, that changes things too. Um, but uh, it, it is good to see. I think it's probably been a couple years since I've been here. It, is, it was before someone turned the lights on, which I love. It's nice to be able to use. Some of you look so much better than I remember. Uh, the, the, the light definitely helps. And to those of you watching on video, good morning or good afternoon or good day, wherever it is you're watching. And yes, it's true, the camera adds 10 pounds. Isn't that right, Pastor John? Of course, improper diet adds three times that, but that's a whole different story that we, we will not be addressing today. I certainly hope not. Um, before we look into God's Word, let me just give you a brief update since it's been a while. Um, Jill and I still live in Waynesboro, and uh, she's still willing to be seen with me in public. We'll see if that's the case in an hour. Uh, but uh, we're still here. She's still working with the city of Hagerstown. I'm still with Luminast. We're managing properties in Waynesboro and Chambersburg, about to start a new complex in Adams County. Um, instead of being in Waynesboro most days, I'm in Chambersburg most days, but uh, still, still here, still in the area. Uh, the little girl has graduated from high school. I know, I will expect comfort later. Uh, she has started Hagerstown Community College, and by that I mean that's where we're paying bills, though she's doing stuff via video, so I'm not quite sure how that works, uh, but she's, uh, she's attending Hagerstown Community College, and uh, we're excited about that continued growth. Our dog, Cabela, is still very accomplished at sleeping all day long. Um, she's up to about 22 hours a day, so, um, you know, a little bit of progress there. 
pretty much life continues to go 100 miles per hour, and yet some days you think nothing changes. Um, thankfully, the word of the Lord does not change. Amen? Pastor John called me this week, and I, I said, as I do, when anybody invites me to speak, what have you been talking about? Do you have any themes? Do you have any particular direction you've been going? And he said he's been talking about that sermon, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and, and those chapters recorded for us in the Gospel of Matthew that are among the most challenging, the most powerful, and some of my favorites. So I'm, I'm happy to be able to pick up uh, where he left off this morning. Uh, we're going to look at the scriptures. I want us to learn something new today or to have reinforced for us today uh, something about God's acceptance and righteousness and to see how good, how to be good, but not good enough. Let me see if I've got the right thing here and see if I can... Oh, yeah. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 today. Um, and some of you know sermons can be long and challenging, and you also know I like to bring things uh, uh, with me for people. So, um, uh, I don't know, some of you, you know, we can't just drink water anymore. We have to drink water with nutrients in it, energy and stuff like that. So, I don't have enough cups today. I'll give a few of you cups because I'm sure you're going you're gonna to need nourishment. I guess maybe you can share with those around you later. I'll give you something to refresh you. Um, let's see. Tell me your name again. Tony, yeah, Tony worked hard singing. He's going to need refreshing. Okay. Good morning. Let's see, I got one more left. Oh, well, Eric was working hard on the drums. It's so, by the way... I have a cajon now. Yeah, someday I'm going to learn to play it, too, with rhythm. Uh, and Eric can tell you what that is later. Um, what else I got in there? Oh, yeah. It's a cloth because I, I cleaned the outside of the cups. So I want to make sure they look good, so that's what's in there. So anyhow, I'll, I'll help refresh those of you. Oh, my goodness, I only have a small cup left. I might need some before you, but we'll see how it goes today. Uh, for those of you who get really thirsty or hungry while I'm speaking, too bad. It happens. You can go out to eat afterwards. For those of you who don't know me, I will say things that I sometimes forget to smile when I'm trying to be funny or sarcastic. If it seems totally ridiculous, it's either something Jesus said or I'm messing with you. Um, and if Jesus said it, it only seems ridiculous. It's just counterintuitive to our sinful nature. That's all. So speaking of counterintuitive, Matthew chapter 5, we're going to talk about being good but not good enough. Let's see if we can get some scriptures with it today. I'll tell you what, let's stand together and we'll read these passages together. Uh, in case you skipped church last week, we're going to back up to uh, last week's message. But let's, let's try and read this out loud together. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by people. You are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. 
People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. So last week, remain standing for just a second. Uh, last week, you understood that we have a purpose. We're to be salt. As salt, the command basically is to preserve. We're to be light. The, the, the work of light, the purpose of light is to shine so people can bring honor and glory to God. So let's look at the passage this week, starting with verse 17. Read with me if you would. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish these things, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of a letter will pass from the law until everything takes place. So anyone who breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do so will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys them and teaches others to do so will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness goes beyond that of the experts in the law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Lord, open our hearts and our minds to your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we looked last week, or, or you looked last week, a little bit about the purpose that God has for us. We're going to see a lot of the kingdom unfolding in this Sermon on the Mount in a different way than we expected, in a different way than they had historically looked at the Scriptures in God's kingdom. And the older I get, the more I realize I've got to work to stay open to things coming in a different way, to a truth being said a different way, to learning new things. I've got to work to be open to those things. And Jesus presents the kingdom of God in a way that they hadn't anticipated. In verse 17, Jesus shares some insight into his purpose. And I'm going to read it for you today. I have my Bible on my phone, too. The New Living Translation, he says this, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writing, uh, writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. The New King James Version, he says, Don't think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I didn't come to destroy but to fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill or to complete the work of the law and the prophets. And I know this is, this is common teaching for some of you that have grown up in Sunday school, that have grown up in church. So, so stay with me. Much of this is going to be what you already know, but I hope to, to shine a light on a little different facet of it for us today. For those of you new to Christianity, when Jesus refers to the law, he's talking about the law of Moses, the Pentateuch, the first five books of what we call the Old Testament, the first five books of the Holy Scriptures, 
And then when he talks about the prophets, he's talking about what we would call the last 17 books, uh, which contain messages that God spoke to his people that, that they wrote down. So uh, the, the word of God that contained correction, that contained rules for living, that contained promises for the future kingdom. Jesus says, I'm here now. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is with you. He is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so there were some questions among his followers, and Jesus addresses his purpose. He says, I'm not here to do away with all that has come before. I'm not here to rip apart the law. I'm not here to destroy the law and the promises. I have come to fulfill them, to complete them. He had a purpose. And really, if you sum all that up, the purpose was for him to bring sinful people into a relationship with a holy God. The purpose was for Jesus to make that which was unrighteous, righteous. The purpose was that he accomplishes all that was said prior to him being here. Restoration. Redemption, two of my favorite words to describe the ministry of Jesus. Now, what about the law and the prophets? Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. Well, what about them? Well, Jesus talks about their priority in verse 18 and 19. The New King James Version says, Assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not, and, and we read it in the other version today, not the littlest letter or part of a letter is going to be abolished till it's all fulfilled. And then he takes it a step further. He says, for those who violate what God has spoken and teach others to do so, they're going to be considered least in the kingdom of heaven. But for those who do it, who live it out, and who teach it, they're going to be considered great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus establishes in his speaking that there is a priority he himself placed on the written word. Now, we won't talk about anarchy today, but I can tell you it's not a principle that Jesus espoused. He talks about the law of God, which was the written word that came as God inspired the authors. But what do we read in the gospel, John chapter 1, verse 1? In the beginning was the word. Is that talking about the law and the prophets? The word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him, nothing at all was made that has been made. Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish this law. I am the Word. I am the Logos. I am the very breath of God because I am God. And He reemphasizes the importance of the scripture. 
And so what, what Pastor John is going to take you through uh, for the next weeks or however long he's in the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to see Jesus saying, you've, you've heard it said, you've read the written law that says this, let's take it to the next level where the living word says this. But he never says, you know, you, you read that, well, that time is gone, forget it now. That wasn't, that's not important anymore. I'll come up here where you can see. This cup is important, isn't it? To me. Shake the rocks. That cup is important, but it became even more important, and its purpose is now being fulfilled. Are you with me? It would be foolish for me to say, well, I have Propel. It's got vitamins and flavor. Therefore, the cup is no longer of use. Now, all illustrations fail. Yes, I know there's still a bottle there, so, but I got to share, right? And it's COVID time. We don't drink after each other like we never used to. Anyhow, <laughs> Jesus says it's not just knowing the word. It is embracing it and teaching others to do so. And don't we know that you have to live something before you really, yeah. I mean, you can teach anything, but if you teach something and tell someone else to live something and you're not living it and you try and teach them, it kind of leaves some room for discussion. Live them out. Teach others to do so. And we're going to make an impact in the kingdom of God. Amen? Purpose, priority. And the third thing I want to talk to you about today is passage. While how we interact with the word of God, the written word, affects our place in the kingdom, least, greatest. Jesus says something else determines if we even get into the kingdom. What? Yes, he does. Verse 20. If you have your own Bible, you can look there because you probably want to underline this. Because if someone says, here's how you get tickets, I'm actually paying attention, right? Here's how you get your paycheck. I'm going to pay attention. Here's how you get your retirement pay. You paid attention, right? Jesus says in verse 20, I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, 
you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says you can't even get into the kingdom of heaven without step one, which is our righteousness being better than that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law. And there's some overlap there. Now, those of us that have grown up in Sunday school, we already know our righteousness is better than the righteousness of the Pharisees because the Pharisees are bad and we're good, right? I mean, there's even a, a, a wonderful lyricist penned this song that lives perpetually in my mind why I don't want to be a Pharisee because they're not fair, you see. Do you remember that? Did anybody teach that? I would sing it for you, but I don't want to show off, and you actually all know I don't sing well. I don't want to be a sad, you see, because they're always sad, you see. There's nothing in the Bible about the Pharisees being unfair, but it's a really great song that teaches us Pharisees are bad and we're good because we go to church. Again, a little bit of sarcasm there today because that's not actually all that the scriptures say. Let me tell you a little bit more about the Pharisees in case you never went to youth Sunday school and only went to children's Sunday school and had a different teacher than Kathy because she probably breaks this down even for the young ones. Pharisees were Jewish men, so they were God's chosen people already. So this may sound like I'm making a case for the Pharisees. Well, maybe I am. They were God's chosen people. They were educated. They were very learned. They were scholars. What did these scholars spend hours and hours a day studying and learning? Scriptures. They were, if you will, the PhDs of the scriptures. Now, some of you may have a PhD, an earned PhD. If you do, you understand it's hours and hours and becomes a lifestyle of learning that pushes you to the limits. Does anyone in this room have a PhD? in the Torah, in the law of Moses. Anybody? Pharisees did. Pharisees actually would have, at the very minimum, memorized verbatim, word for word, the first five books of the, of the scriptures and likely the entire Old Testament. Anybody? I know, I know you, look, you were in Bible quiz. You memorized the entire Old Testament, most of the entire New Testament. The five books of Moses, give me something here. No. But the rest of us, well, I mean, we're better than the Pharisees, right? Because we've at least memorized six books of the Bible, verbatim, the big ones, Leviticus. They memorized Leviticus. Any of you even read Leviticus? <laughs> yeah, some of them. How fast? <laughs> yeah. names, numbers, names, numbers, names, numbers. Okay, I'm done. These are the people we're looking down our nose at. Hmm. What else about these Pharisees? They were committed to the laws of purity. 
We can get on board with that. They taught about that. They were passionate about it, but not just for each other in their Sunday school class. They taught the laws of purity and wanted to make it clear throughout all Israel that this is the law of Moses and how to live pure as a nation. Hmm. They believed all God's people should be like priests. Well, well, I can get on board with that, right? Like priests, like people who go before God for the people, uh, people who bring sacrifice, people who are pure. They tried to understand God's law and how it applied to everyday life. They did this every day. They were always at the temple, even Labor Day weekend. I don't know if COVID, if they would have taken off from the temple or not, but I don't, from what I read, they probably would have been there no matter what because the law was vital to them. They believed in the law as much as Jesus did. Now, they got a little off base because they also took the teachings of others about the law and elevated them to a status sometimes even above the law or certainly equal to the Word of God would be Steve's interpretation of the Word of God. And while I love Steve's interpretation of the Word of God, Steve would be the the first one to say, don't ever hold my interpretation of the Word even with the Word, right? Because God's Word can speak for itself, and it does. So that's where the Pharisees got off a little bit, but there's more. There's another problem with this. It's that these wonderful scholars who knew the Word of God, studied the Word of God, tried to understand it. Jesus says to us, unless our righteousness is greater than theirs, we can't even get in to the kingdom of God. Now, I grew up in the Billy Graham era and was under the impression all I had to do was say a prayer. But now I'm reading Jesus saying, I got to be more righteous than these people? I don't know about you, I'm in trouble. Here's the summary, though, of what the problem was with the Pharisees. They knew the law, but weren't connected to the giver of the law. They were disconnected from God, their creator. And throughout the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to see how Jesus says, no, this is, this is the external law, but let's take it deeper to the inner being to connect you to the Creator and what the Creator was talking about when He gave you this external understanding. Jesus says often of them they were hypocrites. See, this is where we're, get, where we're seeing why they're still not the people we follow after. Jesus says they're hypocrites. Now, hypocrites are not people who know the truth, who try to do the truth, and occasionally make mistakes. That's what we call everyone. Hypocrites are people who know the truth, teach the truth, tell you the truth, and expect you to live the truth and excuse themselves from it. 
Nobody should ever drink Propel in a church sanctuary. Thus it is written in Thompson 1 verse 4. Nobody should ever drink Propel in the sanctuary. Of course, I'm thirsty, and it's all that's here. But none of you should ever do that. That's a hypocrite. And the reason this is a problem is not because the law that they were espousing was wrong. It's because Jesus says they have a heart issue. It's because they're pushing people a certain direction, and that direction was away from the Redeemer, away from their Creator. Jesus says you're hypocrites because you put stuff on people that's too heavy for them to bear, and you keep them from the kingdom of God. You do these things and espouse the law, but you use the law to separate people from God rather than to draw people to God. Jesus, or the, the Scriptures later tell us, what's the Old Testament law about? It was given as a school teacher to move us to Christ. The Pharisees were using it as a club to beat people away from God. Why? Because they think God's acceptance is limited and they wanted it for themselves. Power, control, arrogance, self-centeredness. They had the right things externally, but were not in relationship with the God they claim to represent. That's the problem with the Pharisees. They believe their own knowledge and external actions are what justified them, what made them good enough for God. And church, I got to tell you, sometimes I live as a Pharisee. Why I have the right thoughts, I have the right knowledge. Why I have the right feelings about this subject, and everybody should feel about this the same way I do. Why I wore the right shirt and buttoned it the right way, I hope. I think the right way. I act the right way. I say the right words at the right time in front of the right people. Look at me, this, this is good enough for God. Luke 16, verse 15, Jesus said to them, the Pharisees, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. Now the heart, Jesus wasn't talking about their emotions, their intellect. He was talking about God knows our passions, our relationship with him, our intentions. And so often, church, we can tend to do the right things for the wrong reason. We want to make ourselves feel better. We want to say, well, because I'm doing this, I must be connected with God. We get this focus on the external, and we become like Pharisees, like wheels with no hub, nothing to, to connect it to the axle, like a, like a Miata with no engine. It might be pretty. <laughs> Like a house with no family, like a body with no spirit. Jesus gave another example of the problem with the Pharisees. I've been speaking a long time. How many did I give you a cup? You ready to get a a drink and some refreshing? If you're ready for refreshing, just hold your cup up. 
Well, why aren't they doing that? It's because drinking propellant church is wrong? No. Steve, what's in your cup? I mean, hold, hold your cup up, or Mercy, hold your cup up. So hold your cup up. Just see, it's pretty and green on the outside. It looks great on the outside, doesn't it? Oh, <laughs> the inside is filthy. It's you wouldn't drink anything out of that, would you? Even if you were camping, you'd rinse it out at least, right? Even if your dad wasn't looking, you wouldn't drink out of that. And I know you're brave and courageous, but you ain't drinking out of that. Jesus says of the Pharisees in another place, you wash the outside of the cup, but the inside is filthy. The kingdom principle is the outside might look right, but inside it's dead. So how can we who have not memorized the entire Bible, who don't spend six hours a day studying, who don't always do the right things, how can we have passage to the kingdom of heaven if our righteousness is to be even better than the righteousness of the Pharisees? Well, on our own, we can't. We can never live and think and act and intend perfectly. But our first verse today of this passage was about Jesus' purpose to bring fulfillment or completion to the law and the prophets. What does that look like? Well, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, it says, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we, the sinners, could become the righteousness of God in Christ. He is our peace who, who brings people together, makes both one, tearing down the wall that separates the accepted from the unaccepted. Jesus himself is righteous. He didn't just talk it. He lived it. He fulfilled it. And he says, you can accept my righteousness. The thing that the Pharisees lacked was, was that which is on the inside, their, their inner being alive and right and pure and in line with God. And Jesus says, on our own, we can't do that. On our own, we're these pretty green cups filled with junk. But we can receive his clean slate, his rightness. Jesus told another Pharisee, unless you are born again, born of the water, born of the Spirit, unless you have a spiritual birth, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. So all the external stuff can help us be more effective in the kingdom or we can ignore it and be considered least in the kingdom. But the only way into the kingdom is being connected to the king. And dirty people can't be connected to a pure king until the king enters our earth and says, I'll take all that dirt upon me and fulfill the law. And the law says the wages of sin is death. 
The law says an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, blood for blood, life for life. And we read in the New Testament that if we violated the law in one area, we're a lawbreaker. So therefore, my attitude, I'm a murderer. Jesus says, I'll pay the penalty for that. Well, I stole a candy bar when I was seven. Jesus says, I'll pay the death penalty for that too. I will pay the ultimate price for the least infraction because the least infraction makes me less than a Pharisee, not even as good as a Pharisee. Jesus says, I'll, I'll take that. What do you want back? Stay connected. Be with me. Be in the kingdom. See, that's the beauty of this Sermon on the Mount. That sermon is about the king giving me a new way to live in his kingdom still on earth. That's the beauty of the word of God. I'm a believer. I've received that already. Well, how's my connection? Did I just say a prayer, get connected with God, and then say, hey, wait in the front living room, Jesus. When I'm ready to die, I'll invite you into the kitchen. You're in my house, Jesus, but hey, it's my house. Is that being connected? So I want to challenge us today, church, as we close with the word of God, that we stay connected so that it's not about the external. It's about the internal. The working of God in me and through me. The light reflecting through me. The, the, the Spirit of God keeping me effective as salt and shining as light. Oh, the external matters. Even if your green cup is clean on the inside, when I put the light in there, it's not going to shine out as brightly as it's going to shine out of my clear cup, right? Well, Jesus, I can't do that. Cleanse me, O oh God, inside and out. Would you bow your heads with me today as we close in prayer? My, my goal today is not to bring condemnation or rebuke to Jesus' church. My goal today is to challenge us as his church to accept his gifts so that our righteousness can exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. To encourage you as his church that he loves you deeply and has already paid the price so that we can become and stay connected to him. As we pray today, if you're here and you're not connected to God, or if you're here and you've kept him in the front room instead of letting him be in charge of every part of the house, let's just talk to our loving Savior today. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we receive your grace today. We recognize today, Lord, on our own, we may be good, but we will never, ever be good enough. But Jesus, you looked at us and said, you're more than good enough. You're accepted. I will die for you. How great the Father's love for us.
Lord, today we say, cleanse us, please. We, we receive your grace. We receive your cleansing. And friend, if you're here today and you've, you've been in rebellion against God, would you just surrender to the only one who loves you enough to die for you, the one who wants you to spend eternity with him? Father, forgive me for trying to do it on my own, for thinking that I'm good enough. Father, forgive me. I receive your good enough. I receive your grace. I receive your love today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and our music team is going to lead us in a closing song today.